Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 126 of X-Lapse, which also just so happens to be the 500th episode on the Chris and Reggie channel. It's a heck of a milestone, and what do you know? It's a Wolverine episode again. It seems like Wolverine sneaks his way into every single milestone we have here on this channel. I guess it stands to reason the uh, the little fella sure does get around, but... Uh, 500 episodes, very excited about that uh, Also, kind of excited about this issue we're discussing today Let's uh, get right into it here This is Wolverine, Volume 7, Number 7 At a January 2021 cover date Story is X of Swords, Chapter 16 Written by Benjamin Percy and Jerry Duggan With art by Joshua Kassara Colors, Guru EFX Letters, VCs, Corey Petit Designs, Tom Muller Head of X is Hickman Edits, Amaro, Basso, White, Sobolski Cover price, $3 99 cents, and this one, like the last three or four issues we've talked about, came out on November 11th of 2020. Now we open with our chapter break quote. Now Saturnine's talking about her tarot cards, claiming that there are just so many left in the deck, and uh, well, that sounds like a threat to me, lady, because uh, I'm, I'm about done with these tarot cards. Uh, now, our comics content begins with Magic wandering through the Holy Republic of Fae, looking for, for the place where she's supposed to be battling. She exits through a door and winds up in Roma's upside-down floating kingdom, which I guess makes her, or Roma, that is, uh, Merlin's next-door neighbor. There, she runs into her opponent, Pog or Pog. They draw their swords, and... <sighs> Saturnine shows up to take them away. You see, this contest won't require anything sharp and or pointy. I'm so happy we spent ten friggin' issues tracking these blades down. Oof. Now instead, this bout will be settled, and I kid you not, with an arm wrestling match. Well, over the course of a single panel, Pogger Pog handily defeats little Ileana, and our score is now Arako 3, Krakoa 1. Double page spread of creds, and our roll call. Magic, Wolverine, Storm, Saturnine, Pog, Urpog, Creepy Summoner, Death, and Solemn. We're going to see another Araco citizen, or Araco combatant here, pretty prominently, but uh, they don't they don't get a little box on the roll call page. What are you going to do? All right, next stop, the Kingdom of Blightspoke. And this is a weird, random, and dangerous place. This is going to be the location of the battle between Wolverine and the Creepy Summoner. And believe it or not, this one actually involves a sword fight. This is uh, going to be a battle to the death. Remember that. To the death. 
Now, the gimmick here, as far as Blightspoke itself is concerned, is actually very, very well done here. Um, excellent use of the comics medium to depict a trippy and constantly adapting environment. Um, we've got Wolverine and the Summoner fighting, right? And then the, they're like, as they're slashing, the very panels of the book shatter. Uh, the art style changes. Uh, we get like cave paintings. We get like a futuristic Tron sort of look. We get a, f a half a page full of Ben Day dots. I mean, really cool stuff here. It also looks like we get a guest appearance from Commandy and Vartox here as well, so that gets a pop out of me. Unfortunately, this really interesting to look at battle is interrupted by an info page about Blightspoke. It's a weird place, you see, and uh, we highly intelligent readers of X-Men comics certainly needed this page of text to figure that out. <sighs> Back to comics, and Wolverine lands the killing blow. Now, he runs his Muramasa right through the summoner's eye, which I'm pretty sure we learned was his weak spot about six or seven years ago before we got into the X of Swords proper. Now, here's the thing. Here is the thing. This battle was to the death, right? To the death. And so, Saturnine rules that Arako wins the battle since the creepy summoner literally fought to the death. Yep, that's how this story's gonna keep going. Almost makes you wonder what the point of it is. Uh, Arako 4, Krakoa 1. Next thing we know, Storm and Wolverine are at the Citadel having a chat about, uh, well, you know, all this weirdness. Then, it's time for the next bout, and it's a drinking contest. And it's going to be between Storm and Wolverine. Huh? Okay. Uh, well, now, this next few pages are a bit weird and difficult to follow, uh, though that might be intentional, or it might just be me being completely dense and hard-headed. Wolverine and Storm, they're drinking, right? And they start to get kind of flirty, and Storm begins to act, like, wildly out of character here. And I mean, in light of everything that's happened, basically all of our characters are pretty far out of character, but Storm especially here. Now, Mad Jim Jaspers is the, I don't know, official or the sommelier for this bout, uh, pouring our competitors glass after glass of this otherworldly brew. And somehow the horseman Death is also involved in this? we see a scene of Jasper's being bribed by death with a glowing scarab thing. Why? I don't know. Uh, I Maybe this was originally supposed to be Storm versus Death, and he bribed Jasper so he wouldn't have to compete against the lady that he danced with during the dinner party? Maybe this is all a ruse, and maybe Death was just trying to help Storm win? I haven't the foggiest. Uh... Whatever the case, this drinking competition scores Krakoa a point. Since it's a Krakoan versus Krakoan, Krakoa is going to get the point. So now, if we look at our scoreboard, we're sitting at Arako 4, Krakoa 2. So they're not totally out of it just yet. We immediately hop into our next bout. And the drinking contest was between two Krakoans. Now we've got a match between two Iraqis, which is really really weird. Um, this is going to be Solemn versus the Horseman War. Now, the implication here is that these two have a history. Solemn killed War's husband, which we might have already knew about, but I totally wasn't paying attention during that, in that scene that introduced Solemn. I thought that was very, very dull. Now, the thing is, Solemn 
Well, he ain't really in the mood to do battle. And so he decides to call in a favor. Now, if you recall, back when Wolverine went to hell, the most recent time, he had to make a deal with Solomon in order to get his Muramasa. And, wouldn't you know it, it's time for him to pay the piper. Drunken Wolverine, because he's been drinking, he blinks away from Drunken Storm just as they're about to start making out, and he arrives at this battlefield. Now, Logan's got a pounding headache and realizes that his healing factor is uh, not helping to regulate him here. His healing factor has kind of just been nullified. So, uh, well, he ought to probably start immediately dying of adamantium poisoning then, right? No? No, never mind. Solemn informs him that he's calling in his favor. And so it's going to be Wolverine fighting against the Horseman War. Oh, and if that's not bad enough, War was the creepy summoner's mother. So our hero just killed his opponent's son. Huh. Info page. Uh, you remember that deal that Wolverine and Solemn made in hell? You know, the one that we just talked about? Yeah, yeah, that happened, and here's a wasted text page all about it. <sighs> back to comics and back to the fight. The gimmick for this bout is that this is a battle to dismemberment. Uh, you got to remove a body part from your opponent. And, huh, you'd almost think this would have favored Solemn, who, as we all know, has the mutant ability of having adamantium skin. Oh, well. The fight starts, and War tries cutting off Wolverine's head, but even though his healing factor crapped the bed, he still has an adamantium-lace skeleton, so it's a no-go. Logan then chops off War's left hand and is proclaimed the victor. Unfortunately for him, he was fighting on behalf of Solemn, so all he did was earn another point for Arako. No matter who won the battle, Arako would have gotten the point. So we wrap up this issue... With our scoreboard reading, Arako 5 took Koa's 2. Next episode, more Wolverine, I would assume, in the pages of X-Force number 14. Well, let's talk about... Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this issue of Wolverine here. It's one that I'm kind of mixed on, to be completely honest. I did enjoy some of the more, like, bat-crap-crazy moments... And our artist here was clearly having fun with some of the more surreal bits here. Just a, a real uh, tour de force, I think we would call it. It's a, just The art was fantastic here. But, and this is probably the biggest problem with X-Lapsed as a project and as a method for, uh, for my receiving of these stories and presenting them. I spend far too much time with these individual issues. And so... While I wasn't exactly looking forward to several issues issues of repetitive sword fights, every time that we have a bout that doesn't include a sword, it only makes me feel like I wasted a whole bunch of time analyzing the issues in which we were seeking the damn things out. I mean, normal folks, well-adjusted folks, spend, what, 15, maybe 20 minutes with each of these issues? I mean, that's being generous in some cases. I spent somewhere between four and five hours with each issue. So for the first half of X of Tens, I spent like 40 or 50 hours with these damn books. And again, this is an X-lapsed problem, not a fault of the creators in any way, because these books are supposed to be read, and then you move on to the next one. 
but I mean, part of me can't let go of the fact that I feel like I've wasted a lot of time here with, uh, with odd bits and bobs of scenery that may not actually wind up mattering. I mean, I could find out that it does, but at this point it just feels... I feel like I've ripped myself off, if that makes any sense at all here. And maybe this is a meta thing. Maybe Saturnine isn't just screwing with the actual Tournament of Swords competitors. Maybe she's screwing with us as well. I, I guess that's creative, if that's the case. Uh, still quite infuriating and uh, mostly unsatisfying to read as a whole, at least for me. But what are you going to do? So... With that out of the way, let's just focus on the issue itself here. Without the X-lapsed process baggage, it was mostly fun. It was mostly a fun issue, and it was completely gorgeous. Um, a lot of the focus here is being placed on subverting expectations. Now, we've talked about that time and again. We talked about it just recently uh, during the Excalibur chapter last episode. We were expecting one thing, right? This is a tournament of swords. We were expecting something. And we've gotten something altogether different, and also quite insane. So I suppose I should just allow myself to get swept up in the madness. Otherwise, it'd be like I drew the Cloud of Yelling At card from Opal Lutus, Luna Saturnine's deck of cards. So for this issue, we had four contests. Four whole contests, which brings our total to six. This included two bouts in which members of the same team were pitted against one another which is another one of those things I was not expecting to see at all. Let's go through them in order. We got Pogger Pog versus Magic in an arm wrestling contest. I will admit that I kind of amusedly furrowed my brow when seeing this scene play out because, I, again, I didn't expect this. What's more, I, I didn't expect that Pog nor Magic would abide by these rules. They seem like two who would just rather fight. But uh, instead, they did the thing, and Pog easily bested Ilyana. Makes you makes you wonder if maybe this whole contest might be rigged, huh? Hmm. Wolverine versus the Summoner. Fight to the death. Now, outside of the fantastic art, because the, the art here just killed it. Gorgeous, gorgeous stuff here. Blight spoke a, a region of Otherworld I could give a rat's ass about before. Made it look so amazing. I wouldn't mind seeing a story take place here, just to see how crazy and far out the artist could go with it. Especially if it's a, if it, you know if Josh Gassar is doing it. I mean, this was wonderful, wonderful stuff. So outside of the art, this was a battle between our titular hero and a character so boring that he almost makes the Hickman Antler alien seem interesting by comparison. Almost. It was cool to have the battle end the way it did, with the callback to the Summoner's lone weak point. Uh, I'm not sure that Wolverine knew of this weak point. I thought that that was just something that the Summoner shared with Rockslide during their weird game of uh, Stone Jumanji or whatever, but, but it worked, but it worked, right? The Swerve, bro, after the bout was, uh, I'll admit, another thing I wasn't expecting. So, it was creatively done. And it was yet another reminder that Saturnine is, you know, she's pulling the strings here. And she can make the contest go whichever direction she chooses. If she wanted Arako to get the point there, Arako was going to get the point there. If Wolverine was killed, Arako could have gotten the point. Or Wolverine won the match, Arako still got the point. It's, uh, I think, I think that's kind of what we're going to be dealing with. And this is, you know, guessing, um... 
I think we're just going to have Saturnine really, really rig this. And it wouldn't surprise me one bit if this story ends with the heroes uh, or the champions of Krakoa and the champions of Arako teaming up against her. I mean, it stands to reason she's screwing with everybody. She is screwing with everybody left, right, and center. She's not showing favoritism, really. She's, uh, I mean, we saw last episode or last issue with Doug getting married. I mean, that feels like a kid gloves approach, right? She certainly, I mean, Doug would have died <laughs> if he actually had to fight Bay the Blood Moon. So Saturnine isn't showing absolute favoritism to the Iraqis, but she is definitely pulling the strings. Uh, Wolverine versus Storm in the drinking contest. Uh, I was going to make a joke that we were probably going to see a drinking contest. I never thought we would, but we did. Um, and Storm felt very, very out of character. Storm was really, really weird. Uh, I don't understand the significance of death bribing Jim Jaspers. I don't know if that's going to pay off. I... I would have to assume that we're probably building to a storm versus death confrontation at some point here because uh, of the of the dinner party dance. I don't know if that telegraphs it or if it's setting setting me up for another expectation that will be subverted. I mean that could very well happen. The fact that uh, these are people on the same side competing against one another, it's just further evidence to me that these points are meaningless. You know, it's like we didn't need the drinking contest. It's like, hey, this is going to pit you guys against each other. They each take one sip. It's like, well, okay, I guess one of you won. Or <laughs> one of them, only one of them drinks, right? It, it, the points are going to go there anyway, so why even bother? Uh, the points, it's funny because, I mean, the points are being prominently displayed at the end of every bout, like to remind us that they're there. But I have a feeling that they're, they are mostly meaningless. I could be mistaken. We'll find out, though. Our final bout was Solemn versus War, Fight to the Loss of Limb. And this was an Araco versus an Araco. Another one that just feels like, what's the point? Um, they're just, they're, I mean, they're going to get the point, so there really is no point to the battle. There's no point in one of them injuring another one by removing a limb. Uh, it just, it feels like, uh, what, whose best interest would that be in? Like, say Solemn stuck in the fight with War. He didn't call in Wolverine. What benefit would it be to to cut uh, War's hand or head or leg off? There would be no benefit because they're on the same side. It feels weird. It feels weird. It's almost as though Saturnine... Maybe Saturnine knew that he'd call Wolverine in. Maybe, they, maybe she knew this was an issue of Wolverine, and we'd have to see a lot of him here. I, I mean, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Uh, the... I don't want to say that the build-up for the favor didn't pay off well, because, I mean, it was only just a few issues ago. But the fact that it ended Wolverine's trip to hell with Solemn, it, the whole point of the ending was that he was going to owe this guy a favor. Um, maybe I built it up in my head that it was going to be something more. I thought it was going to be that Wolverine was going to have to sacrifice himself. I thought like we'd have a match with Solemn and Wolverine, and Solemn would be like, okay... Run the sword through yourself. I, I thought that was going to be what it was, but here, it's just like, nah, I don't feel like fighting this person, so you do it. I don't know. Feels feels kind of like a like a waste of a of a of a favor. It's like you know, it's like asking you know, getting finding the uh, the magic lamp and asking the genie to like shine your shoes or something. It's like, what's what's even the point of it? Yeah, you had a favor, you had a wish, 
and uh, especially in the way that the contest went, because Solemn would not have lost that fight. His his entire body, his skin is adamantium. You can't cut through that. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, let's talk about um, the info pages. Uh, info pages are usually, in my opinion, boring diversions that attempt to clarify things in a somewhat stylized way, right? I still always will name Tom Muller when I do the credits for the designs because that's a big part of the identity of this run. And also because I kind of rely on those designs for my own, you know, episode art or album art or whatever we're going to call it here. The stuff I put up with the episodes, you know. Uh, a lot of that, you know, is... Is Tom Muller stuff So I'll always name him here And I see the info pages as being Stylized, right? It's kind of the X-Men's branding At the moment And I don't complain about them much Anymore um, Because it's a case of just They are what they are, right? Here though They got under my skin They really got under my skin They interrupted the flow of an awesome To look at Blightspoke battle just to tell us that, hey, you know what? Blightspoke's a weird place. It's like, yeah, no kidding. We're there right friggin' now. We didn't need that page. Hell, I, we don't. We don't mean. We don't need many of them, but this one especially really got under my skin since it actually distracted me from the flow of the story. It's like, why is this page here? Later, we had the page reminding us of Wolverine having to do a favor for Solemn. Why? We just read a page of story that told us the very same thing. Did this story really just come up, like, like come in two pages short? <sighs> Hell, just have Joshua Kassara draw, draw two more awesome Blightspoke pages, right? <laughs> Screw these info pages, just give us some art, especially when it's this good, and the info pages are this unnecessary. I understand it's part of the identity of this run, but God... Just such a waste of space here Such a waste of space Telling us exactly what we just saw But that's really all I got to say about this issue Overall, I mean If you could put down the cloud of yelling at card uh, you, you really enjoy this, maybe uh, It's it's insane It's wild It's a trip um, Characterization is kind of out the window But I mean, we could say that's the other world effect Uh it's really good to look at It's gorgeous to look at um, And the story, I think, moves forward So I think I come away from this one mostly positive uh, Where I was expecting to come away from it mostly negative So that's a good thing That's a good thing um, Next up, like I said, we have X-Force Which has Wolverine prominently placed on the cover So I'm assuming that this is going to be probably another Percy and maybe Duggan Joint, so we'll we'll see how that goes when we get there. But that's all I got to say about this issue here. Let's hop into the mailbag before we cut and run. We're gonna start with Damien, who's talking about Excalibur number thirteen. He says, "I enjoyed this issue far more than you. Getting some idea of Saturnine's motivations is critical to understanding the plot of X of Tens. So seeing her pursuit of Brian and her dislike of Betsy are vital." It's also clear that she intended Betsy to get the Sword of Might and Brian to get the Starlight Sword. These are all key plot points for X of Tens. You are right that there is some confusion in the presentation of the story. If Betsy is working with the heretic, the heretical, her, easy for me to say, heretical Captain Britain Corps, 
Then why do they attack Jamie, who is also an ally? I couldn't get around that error, but otherwise I enjoyed this. A lot of the heavy lifting is done by the art. As you say, R.B. Silva does a great job, and we've got Phil Noto on the next issue of Excalibur, so it only gets better. Anyway, until Jamie Braddock gets bored of capes, make mine X last. Well, let's hope Mr. That Weirdo Jamie Braddock does not get tired of capes anytime soon. But I mentioned this uh, this message uh, last episode, I believe, when, uh, when we got a little bit of uh, clarification, or at least I got a little bit of clarification on the fact that uh, Saturnine wasn't hiding the sword, but she just wanted the sword to go to a different person. She wanted, uh, as you mentioned here, Brian to wield it. And I, I had totally missed that. I just assumed that Saturnine was being, you know, the interdimensional witch queen who <laughs> just was screwing with our characters and uh, made it so um, we had an arbitrary chapter that I didn't feel was necessary. And in a lot of ways, I still feel like a lot of that was unnecessary. The heretical Captain Britain Corps, what was the point of that? That felt like we wasted so many pages on. I... I don't want to see them come back, I, at least not in this story, because there's no room for them. I mean, we crammed Jubilee and Shogo in here last issue of Excalibur. I, we don't need fake Gambit, fake Rogue, and fake Richter in here. We really, really don't. Um, the petulance of uh, Betsy and Brian, even though it was a ruse, like I said during the discussion of Excalibur number 13, these all of these characters have been written so unwieldy and just so uh, uneven that you you can't tell when people are. There's that saying, you know, like you can't tell sarcasm in you know in text. And here it was kind of like that. It's like I can't tell that they're faking. I can't tell that they're putting on a show because these characters are just written so out of character most of the time. Uh, we don't really have, despite the fact that we got an X of Swords handbook, we don't really have a character Bible on any of these people. It's just, they're motivated by whatever the story needs them to be motivated by. And that's it. There's no core to these characters. Not anymore, anyway. So, that kind of went over my head. Uh, also, like I said, the uh, the intended swords went over my head as well. But uh, in retrospect, and largely... Due to this, uh, to your letter here, I am seeing the value of uh, of the of some of the beats of that issue here, and seeing how it will uh, inform how the rest of this uh, event's going to go. Uh, insofar as uh, Betsy, Brian, and uh, Saturnine. So, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on that issue. Uh, next, we have a, a short note from our friend Mark Green Lantern HG. He says, congratulations on 125 episodes, Chris. I've been listening, just haven't had the chance to check in. Hope everything's good with you, and keep up the great work. Well, thank you so much for uh, for being there and for the kind words here. Uh, 125 as a milestone was... It came out of nowhere. I wasn't even paying attention, and here we are. Uh, I remember just being so uh, so focused on hitting 100. You know, and if 50 and 100 were just like, I wanted to hit those numbers here. And then 125 hits, and I forgot that it was even there until I'm typing it into my notes. Like, oh, wow, it's a, it's episode 125. How about that? But, but thank you so much for the uh, kind words there, Mark. Uh, next, a short note from Andrew in Belfast uh, asking if I ever saw the Claremont's X-Men documentary on Amazon Prime. He says it's got amazing interviews with Jim Shooter, Chris Claremont, Louise Simonson, Len Wein, and Ann Nocenti. And uh, no, I have not seen it, but I have heard of it. 
and it is something that I definitely want to see. Hopefully one of these days I can sit still long enough to do that. I've heard a lot of good things about it. I don't know quite what to expect going in. Um, I've seen Chris Claremont talk about his time on the X-Men a few in a few videos, I've never seen him in person. I've seen him on video uh, talking about his time on the books here, and it's weird. The, the, the Claremont you might get is it might be the one who just loved everything about it and talks so highly and remembers so fondly, and then you get the interview with him where he is so annoyed and bitter and tired and just rankled about it. Uh, I don't know which one this will be. I, I really am interested to find out. If anyone else listening has seen it uh, and wants to, uh, wants to let me know their thoughts, please feel free to do so. I'd love to hear what you thought of it. And hopefully, when I get around to seeing it, uh, I'll share my thoughts as well. But uh, thank you so much for writing in there, Andrew. I hope to hear more from you soon. Uh, now, our last piece of mail today is uh, from our friend Evan, who's talking a bit about Ex of Swords. Go figure, right? Uh, it's going to be a focus on Marauders number 15. Now, he says, I caught up with X-Lapse, but I've also caught up with Marvel Unlimited, which only has X of Tens up through Wolverine number 7 as of this week. So I'm going to fire off a few thoughts before I fall too far behind again. So, if... Uh, if you're listening to this episode right now and you're reading this through Marvel Unlimited, then as of now, today's issue is the last one that's available. Hopefully they'll update them. I don't know how often they update Marvel Unlimited. I don't know if it's a monthly thing, a weekly thing. I really have no idea. I've never used it. Um, you know me and digital. Digital and me don't get along as far as uh, reading comics is concerned. But uh, hopefully they'll... Uh, Hopefully they'll at least update it to get through the Exoswords event uh, soon enough, so uh, those of you who are following that way won't won't forget <laughs> all these all these uh, you know interesting uh, swerves that we're getting here. Evan continues. I said earlier I was okay with the Krakoans circumventing the rules because the rule maker wasn't all that honorable. Then we find out in Marauders number fifteen that the Krakoans would have won by forfeit thanks to War's poison hijinks if they hadn't tried to cheat in the form of Wolverine's attempted assassination of Saturnine. So they would have won with virtually no bloodshed if they only played by the rules. Nice touch. And yeah, that's something I really didn't focus on much during the discussion of uh, of that issue, but it's it's totally right. It's totally right here. Um, and we've talked a little bit about uh, the the focus on circumventing the rules here. We've got the Hellions off trying to steal swords. We had Cyclops try to like mentally link with magic so he can just send all the X Men into Otherworld to storm the fights. It's uh, it's been it's been some underhanded stuff here. And if not for Wolverine just thinking about killing Saturnine. Uh, this event would have, uh, well, it still would have been bloated and over long, but uh, at least it would have been over, right? That, that is very, very interesting here. Because uh, these are the good guys, you know? Our good guys broke the rules to the point where they have to actually pay the piper. They got to face, uh, face the music here. Evan continues. The white sword looks a little familiar to me, and today it finally clicked as far as who he reminds me of. Onslaught's number one fanboy, Post. This is probably coincidental at best, but I wanted it on the record in case he turns out to be Post's great, 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 grandpa. I haven't thought about Post in many years. 
many, many years. Uh, he showed up while I was on my ex-hiatus back in the mid-90s, and I remember thinking that he was going to be a huge deal because he was on the Chromium cover of X-Men Volume 2, Number 50. And uh, I thought he was going to be just a huge deal. And uh, no, it turned out he was not. But uh, that's a real good call-out, though. The White Sword does look a lot like Post. He definitely resembles him. When I saw the White Sword for the first time, I I pictured, like, Thanos with a less wrinkly chin. You know, just like a, a big Titanish character. Um... But no, post is a post is definitely a better a better uh, callback in comparison for sure. Now Evan continues. I have a hunch that Iska may wind up switching sides again, and her shift, as described in X Men number twelve and revisited so much later in X Men number fourteen, could have been putting her in place for this story way down the line. You know, I feel like Iska. I I mentioned this uh, over the past couple of episodes. Uh, Iska is really showing. Personality here uh, isn't treating this contest as personal. She doesn't have it, doesn't seem to hold any hatred toward uh, the X Men or the Krakoans. She's just doing a job. You know, it's like, hey, we got to fight. <laughs> Let's raise a glass to fighting. It's what I do. Um, so I, I would definitely not be surprised. And like I mentioned a little bit earlier here, it wouldn't surprise me if a handful of the Araco contingent uh, joined up with the Krakoan t- contingent to. Go against Saturnine Since she is I mean she's playing them like fiddles right now And I'm sure We've got some powerful folks here Of course not on the level of an interdimensional space witch But powerful people And I mean Iska can't be beaten So maybe she'll be the one To take out Saturnine if it comes down to it But I I think that uh, She might have a baby face turn in her future here And uh, I'd be okay with it I'd definitely be okay with it Because a, it would add to some lore, and B, it would uh, make it so... I mean, if this story ends and all we get out of it is, hey, Iska is part of the cast now, hey, that's good enough for me. I mean, I, I figured that this, that all of these characters, all of these concepts, and all of these swords were going to be tucked away in a manila folder, shoved in a file cabinet, and we would never see them again. So if something actually remains... Yeah, I'll be okay with it. <laughs> I'd be okay with it. Uh, Evan wraps up with, So until Vulcan, Petra, and Sway star in a Krakoan remake of Three's Company, make my next laughs. That's a that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. I hope it doesn't ever happen. But then again, you know, stranger things have. But uh, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts here. And hopefully, Marvel Unlimited will uh, get to updating again so we can keep getting your thoughts on these books as we go forward. And if anybody else out there would like to share your thoughts on this book, this miniseries, or not a miniseries, the, this event uh, crossover, uh, the Claremont uh, documentary on Amazon, or anything, please feel free to reach out. You can find me very easily. I'm on Twitter at Ace Comics and on email at weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. I just said I'm on email. I, what am I, 75? Um, you can find blog posts and show notes over at chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. There's also the show site, xlapsed.chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. You can chat us up on Facebook. Our little group is 90s X-Men. And you can listen to all of the uh, 500 episodes on the Chris and Reggie channel at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. Well, that's where we will put a pin in it for today. 
I would like to thank you all so, so much for sharing your time with me today and uh, for all 500 <laughs> episodes on this channel now. It really, really means the world to, uh, to me. Uh, and as always, till next time, I will talk to you again real soon. See ya.